Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We have ladies night for full court with Fisher and Kay. We're going to be welcoming in Monica McNutt, a former Georgetown guard and part of the Pure Hoops family a little bit later. But my top line note that I want to start this out with is Kara Yukon women's basketball is finally back in action. They had their first game and a freshman really showed out. We had um, Paige Beckers, who's the number one in her freshman class. She had 17 points, nine boards, five steals, and five assists um, in their big win over UMass Lowell last week. And it was actually UConn's first game since March 9th, so um, 200-plus days in between games. And then they kind of roll right into Big East Conference play starting this week. It is crazy to think that it has been almost nine months since they last played Um, and to see them back on the court. I am just glad. And as we know that they've been in the rankings despite having not played games. And so to finally see what they're made of, see what Paige Beckers can do was really good to see. Now let's talk about Duke. We're getting into conference play for a lot of these leagues across the country. Duke had actually canceled the rest of their non-conference matchups following a pair of losses. Coach K making a comment that, They are not paid employees Um, and also letting them go home prior to Christmas. They'll play Notre Dame to open up ACC play. But Kara, any thoughts on Coach Cal's uh, comments and just, you know, how these coaches are trying to lead their teams through a really tough time? I think, like you said, there's been different coaches um, coming out with different ways of how they're leading their teams right now. And really what I think it comes down to is everyone's just trying to do what they think is best and Unfortunately, you know, we don't always know that right now. So and they're just trying to do what's best for themselves, their program, their players. Um, and hopefully, you know, everyone kind of like can respect that and can recognize that, you know, everyone's just doing what they can to get through the beginning of a crazy season. And hopefully when we move into conference play, you know, we'll be able to just continue to have some of those games or maybe even some rescheduling of games that did get canceled. I know. Wisconsin and Louisville is going to be playing this weekend after they didn't end up playing last week during the Big Ten ACC Challenge. So um, just being creative and leading their team through what's just been like a crazy year. You mentioned the Big Ten ACC Challenge. We have to at least recap a couple of those games. I watched the Iowa-UNC game. I was so impressed by the fact that Iowa knows how their offense clicks so well and they're able to execute it at a level that it's, it's just amazing to see when they can't get it into Garza, they're going to hit outside threes when people collapse in on him. So Kara, were there any games that stood out to you that happened for the big 10 ACC challenge? Like you said, that was um, a very impressive game. Iowa hit 17 threes, which, um, you know, they've had a really impressive offense thus, thus far. They've had, I think three or four games now where they've hit the hundred point mark, which is definitely not easy to do. Um, and Illinois had a very impressive win at Duke. Um, they had, 
a big 93 to 80 win. They, and then they ended up losing to Missouri later in the week. Um, and Missouri's off to a hot start as well. So just, you know, like, like we said before, you kind of have big games um, that you got to just be prepared for every night. And the Big Ten ACC Challenge was no exception to that. Yeah, Mizzou beating Illinois. And then the Big Ten has seven teams in the AP poll this week. Iowa, Michigan State, Illinois, Wisconsin, Rutgers, uh, Ohio State, Michigan. And then the ACC also has six of their own. And speaking of the ACC, we're going to get to this a little bit later with Monica, but NC State women's basketball, they had a, they were trailing Boston College 63 to 47 with 650 left in the game, giving them a 99.7% chance to win. ACC Network actually had the chart that showed their percentage of winning and, and it just goes. And so a program that doesn't always get the national recognition of like a UConn or a Stanford, NC State and the Wolfpack have been achieving at a high level and Kayla Jones had a career high 25 points at one time. She went on a solo 9-0 and run. I just think they're a really fun team to watch and I'm excited to watch the rest of them and ACC women's basketball and what better a time to bring in our guests. We would like to welcome Monica McNutt, a former Georgetown guard, basketball host, analyst, and member of the Pure Hoops Media family. Monica, thank you for joining us. And I know that you just got a new sweatshirt, so we have to see what it is and why you got it. Well, first, Jenny Kara, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Pure Hoops family stand up. We always have each other's back. Uh, this sweatshirt, female athlete, is from my girl Esther and her line, The Players Society. Playa, no R. You know how it goes. Um, but basically, women should be judged on their athleticism, our ability to compete as athletes, and not so much by the fact that we're women. You know the drill, Jenny Kara. I don't have to tell this. I've got my Women Ball 2 sweatshirt on. <laughs> But there doesn't even need to be a two, to be honest. I mean, it could be a period directly after. But while we're getting into it, I think where we should start is the big news today in women's college basketball. It only makes sense. NCAA Division I Women's Basketball Committee announced that the NCAA Division I Women's Basketball Championship, the tournament, will be held in one geographic region, probably San Antonio and the surrounding area in preliminary talks as of right now. What are your initial thoughts? So I personally completely understand the oddity that we are all forced to deal with because of COVID-19. And so I'm optimistic that we can safely get to March in this single site location. But I do hear Coach Muffet McGraw, who works with us on ACC Network in my head already, and she hated this idea. She said she would not want her team in a hotel for what is it, three and a half weeks? Of course, she's someone that's used to starting the tournament and being there the final weekend as well. So she has a different perspective. Um, I thought that that was a meaningful point too, but I think the more I talk to student athletes, they just wanna compete. You know, we heard UConn on media day say, wherever we're gonna be allowed to play, that's what we're gonna, what we're gonna go and do. And I've heard many a coach praise their team for how diligent they've been with contact tracing, wearing their masks, being mindful of where they're going so that they can get the season underway. I know, that guys, there's no black or white answer when it comes to navigating this season. I think folks that have concerns, as we saw this weekend on the men's side, Keontae Johnson of Florida um, collapsing during the game, and we are yet to be clear on what caused that. But certainly, you can't help but speculate COVID and myocarditis, potentially. Um, I know that there are mixed feelings this year, but I think as long as you are navigating as best you can with integrity and safety at the forefront of this conversation, 
Um, that's the best you can do. I mean, if I was an athlete, I mean, if you guys were still playing or still on campus, what's the alternative? Go home and sit in my house versus at least try to make it work with my teammates. So it's a tough one. I applaud all of the administration, players, coaches, everybody that's gotten us to this point and certainly hope we can get to that potential San Antonio single site. Like you said, you know, as a former player, players just want to play right now, be with their team as much as they can. Um, what we're trying to do here, you know, grow our coverage coverage of women's college basketball, um, you know, inform our audience a little bit more about it. So can you tell us what you love about women's college basketball um, as a player and then now as an analyst and someone who is really involved in the game? As a player, I loved competing. I mean, it was the it was the place where we could go. You had to be cute. You had to be polite. You had to do none of those things that were deemed like girls' behavior, right? You get out here, roll this ball out, and let's get after it. I think I would not be who I am personally or professionally without my experience as a student athlete, as a female athlete. Um, I'm just so proud of the relationships that I was able to form, the resiliency that it taught me, um, and the activation of hard work. I think it's one thing for a lot of us to say we work hard, but to see what that looks like day in and day out, year in and year out, and how those seeds grew and blossomed throughout the year, is the same kind of mentality that I've taken into my professional life and even into my personal life in terms of dedication. Currently, this crop of athletes, guys, like, I mean, I remember watching the WNBA as a kid, and then I got to college, and I was in school when Maya Moore was there, Brittany Griner at Baylor, like, we had some athletes, don't get me wrong. Angel McCarthy one time blocked the shot and like went the other way with it against us when the old Big East configuration. But this group of young women are so talented and I admire them so much because they are using their voices and their platforms in a way that I don't even know that we fathom. And so I am honored to cover that and to share those women's stories. There are dominant players on the floor all over the country. We see players like Dana Evans at Louisville, Paige Beckers at UConn, Charlie Collier at Texas, Ryan Howard at Kentucky, the list goes on and on. But who has been your standout of the young players this season? Hmm. This season. So I cover the ACC pretty heavily. And I have to say, Ailey Van Lith at Louisville has come in and handled all of the expectation without batting an eye. And I think that is incredibly impressive because obviously if you didn't know her because you follow women's basketball, you knew her because you follow social media outlets, right? And so the pressure that she came in with, not only from Jeff Walls and her potential coaching staff or her new coaching staff, I should say, but her peers. Um, and then Louisville, they're a top five team. They're a team that people are expecting to contend for the NCAA championship this year. And she has come in and taken it all in stride. I've been very impressed with Haley. Um, speaking of the ACC, we know there are tons of loaded teams, including NC State, um, who just beat South Carolina. They had an impressive showing against Boston College. Um, what have you seen out of that program over the last couple of years with Coach Moore um, and how he's developed them into what they are today? So funny story on NC State, last year, gosh, this had to be, it was down the stretch of the regular season. I want to say maybe a week before we headed off to the tournament. I was on Packer and Durham on ACC Network and said, NC State could be good, but they're kind of Jekyll and Hyde. It depends on who shows up. And so, of course, they go on to win the NCAA tournament. And apparently, my quotes got back to them, and it was a little bulletin board material. So in one of the press conferences, Coach Moore called me out. He's like, yeah, I think you said. And I was like, well, coach, let's talk about it because y'all were flopping around at the end of the season. And he said, you're right, but it's hard to win games in this league. And I think he's right. You look at the ACC, um, a handful of ranked teams are at least receiving votes. I know at least in my top 25 ballot, the SEC, the Big 12, the Big 10, 
it's tough to win games. And I can't forget that now that I'm on the analyst side. But when it comes to NC State, Raina Perez, Crutchfield, what is that child's first name? Kai Crutchfield in particular, Jada, uh, Jakia Brown-Turner are three people that have been huge. And I think they've had to play adjusted roles. Last year for them, Ace Koenig was their point guard. No questions asked. She controlled the whole ship, right? She's obviously moved on into graduation. Kai Crutchfield slides over to the one. Raina Perez transfers into NC State, has to figure out this program and share some of that responsibility. So those three young women have been huge. Ja'Kia Brown-Turner's in her sophomore year now, taking another step, having been on the all-rookie team. But Kayla Jones for me. Kayla Jones for me has led the charge. The huge win against South Carolina, she refused to let her team leave, lose. From what I understand, I actually was trying to watch on my phone the Boston College game, but they were down plus 15, with like four minutes to go. And I understand Kayla was a huge part of that comeback. Um, Alyssa Kunane is taking the next step in her game, although I would like to see her be big and strong against another big time post player. Um, but I just think Westmore has done a tremendous job with that group. And I think the leadership and the maturity they have with those upperclassmen is going to be big. But Jakia Brown Turner and Jada Boy, when she's healthy, they don't play like sophomores either. You obviously have your Big East ties from your time at Georgetown. What is your outlook for that league this year in women's college basketball, especially with the addition of UConn? I was about to say, well, Jenny, UConn's back, so there's that. <laughs> Just um, a small little aside. Just a little bit. They're back. It's funny. I covered UConn for three years in the American, and you know, I applaud Gino. And actually, it's funny because I was having a conversation on one of my my radio show Sunday night about Andy Reid and the Chiefs, right? And my first parallel to a coach that has to motivate his team because they are just so talented is Gino. And I've talked to Gino now for three years and he, you guys remember the $100 bill thing that went viral, right? He's constantly figuring out ways to get those girls to be the best version of themselves, never mind the competition. And I think for him to be able to have done it for so long and still be doing it, I mean, Paige Beckers, that's another one. Like, I know they're only, what, two games in at the time we're recording this podcast because of COVID. I'm sure she's going to be in the same conversation as Haley. If Gino says that she's next up, then I, I trust Gino. Like, I trust Gino. Um, so obviously, UConn, I think it's going to be their conference to lose. But I do think you got to keep an eye on a squad like Villanova with a new head coach coming over from Drexel and uh, Amy Dillon. Yeah, Denise Dillon is over from Drexel in her first year as a Villanova alum. Um, Denise was pretty successful with Drexel in the CIA. I mean, they were always one or two in that league. And so I'm looking forward to see the shades of Peretta that were already a part of her coaching philosophy and what she does now back at Villanova. They've got a freshman, Madison. Oh, I'm messing up Madison's last name. I wish I could call it, but she's really, really talented. I think she's going to have a shot to go pro. She's only a sophomore this year. She was a freshman last year. I think she was freshman of the year. Um, and then um, DePaul. I think DePaul is always in the conversation. They didn't show particularly well against Louisville, but I think Louisville just has that much firepower and DePaul didn't have the size to deal with Louisville, but there'll be a tournament team. I have no doubt about Doug Bruno. He constantly turns out teams that compete and get after it and shoot that three ball, baby. <laughs> Um, big picture right now, we have Stanford, UConn, South Carolina kind of sitting at the top of the national rankings. Of those teams, or maybe the top five, who's your favorite so far in this young season and why? So I've seen Louisville in person. I was in Louisville to call the game. I wasn't in the arena. I have not been wildly impressed with South Carolina thus far. Stanford tying Tara's record with Pat Summit and Fran pulling off a dunk in game is like, woo. Um, obviously, UConn didn't play anybody, but even in not playing anybody so far, I'm like, man. Um, I think 
For me, when I look at that top five, it's between Louisville and UConn in terms of teams that are well-rounded with upperclassmen experience um, at key positions. I think Kristen Williamson is terrific. Or Kristen, Will Kristen Williams is fantastic. I don't think she ever played like a freshman for Gina. I think she's an incredible leader. She's um, got a great head on her shoulders, both basketball IQ and the things that are considered the intangibles as far as being a leader. And I think that's a big deal for Gino's squad. Um, and then when I look at Louisville, Dana Evans, I mean, she's steadily risen throughout her career from sixth woman of the year to ACC player of the year. She's another one that's got a tremendous head on her shoulders. And I think she's so excited to have the talent that she has around her. Not that she hasn't, but this year it's a different role for her as the sole leader and the upperclassman that sees most of the minutes. Um, those are the two teams that I'm keeping my eye on in that top five. You mentioned it already, but what stands out to me, especially with Stanford, is Tara Vanderveer's record, where she has now tied Pat Summit for most wins in women's college basketball. For the people who may not know how huge this really is, can you put it into some context? Man, I wish I had the official numbers in front of me, Jenny, but when people talk about all-time winning coaches, they don't even go Pat Summit women's basketball. They go Pat Summit, Coach K, Jim Beheim, you know what I'm saying? Uh, what's my guy in North Carolina? Roy Williams. Like, they don't even put her, they mess around and bring up Coach Wooten, like from UCLA days, right? So Pat Summit epitomizes women's basketball. I, th I think, I'm pretty sure it's like Pat, Tara, and Gino at this point in terms of what has been done. And you easily can mix all three of those coaches into college basketball, period, because they've been that successful. Um, the biggest thing for me, when you think of Pat Summit, and I remember reading her book, Raise the Roof, and being obsessed with her Tennessee teams. And when she had the three Meeks, Shamika Hosclaw, Tamika Pat Catchings, and the other Meek, I'm sorry, she's a coach somewhere. This was a long time ago. Um, but the beautiful thing about Pat Summit for me is her legacy. Um, you look through women's college basketball, her players are coaching all over the place. They are successful, they are respected. Um, and obviously Candace Parker, who's one of the premier women's basketball players in this country, in the world maybe, is always talking about the things that Pat taught her. So congratulations to Tara. I think Stanford suffers a little bit from that West Coast bias, probably the same thing Mark Few deals with at Gonzaga. Uh, maybe less on the women's side because we know that Stanford is always good, but we don't get to see them so much. Like the other night, the game tipped at 10. I don't know about y'all, but I missed that. Um, <laughs> uh, but she's been fantastic and she's been fantastic consistently. So um, this is a this is a really big deal. And I, I think this week, Tara will have the chance to actually pass Pat, which she'll obviously do because it's the beginning of the season. Speaking of Stanford, again, we had a huge dunk last night from Fran Belibi. Um, We need your reaction. <laughs> Um, I saw this morning on Twitter, I think Women's Slam was a clip that I saw. And to, in a weird way, Kara, I didn't react. I mean, I was like, whoa, like, yeah, but also kind of like, I mean, Fran did that. We Like, we knew because we followed Fran as she announced that she was going to Stanford. And I think back to the McDonald's All-American game, maybe. I think she, she jumped, was Paige sitting in the chair? Anyway, she jumped over somebody. And I love that picture because it's a bunch of guys and a bunch of girls. And the guys are just as shocked and just as into it as the young women. Um, Fran's dunk reminded, I remember when Lisa Leslie dunked in game back in the day, which was super cool. But I'm just, she's a beast. Like Fran's not even a full 6'1". She can't steal, came down, rock in and out, pow, like up and dunk. Whoa, sis. But also this is where we are. And that's what I mean by this group of women. The current crop is just so talented. They don't even see barriers. They just get out there and hoop. And um, as much as I applaud them, I applaud 
their counterparts and the guys because it's not the men that play ball or the young men that play ball that disrespect women. It's all the other people that can't do it, right? Like the guys get it and they have the utmost respect for it too. So shout out to Fran doing her thing. I love Fran Bowie. I actually got to interview her and I remember, I will always remember this, I should say. She goes, I'm not just a dunker. I want to be a doctor one day. And I was like, you do everything. Her parents are doctors. Um, and especially during COVID, I revisited with her and she was like, yeah, like this just solidifies what I want to do after basketball. And I mean, just hats off to her in, in every way. But we were talking about sweatshirts earlier. I got my women ball too. You've got your female athlete, athlete. I have to tell Kara that I just mailed her an orange hoodie and it's going to get there tomorrow. Yes! Uh, so <laughs> by the time this is released, Kara will have uh, the WNBA orange hoodie. So sorry, you kind of probably knew it was coming. But this just is the perfect time for me to ask uh, Monica for you. What players do you see right now in college basketball? Again, no, it's early in the season, but that could go on, get drafted in this upcoming WNBA draft and really do well at the pro level. Hmm, this upcoming draft? Now you got me. Now you got me sifting through my classes in my mind, Jenny. Also, I'm definitely wearing my orange hoodie tomorrow on my show in the morning because shout out to SBJ for the award-winning acknowledgement. Yes, coolest piece of sports memorabilia you could have. Okay, current like seniors that could that could go on and shake something up right now, or seniors or juniors, a la the new rule. Um, let me think. First person that comes to mind is Tiana Monacahia. Oh, wait a minute, we've been working on how to properly say her name. Tiana Monacahia. There you go. Uh -uh. At Syracuse, um, who hails from Australia, and she obviously is back from her battle with breast cancer last year. But the thing about her, I don't think that she's under the radar to women's hoops fans. Maybe a little bit because Syracuse is still in that I think 17 to 25 in the ranking range. But if you really dig into her numbers, she's putting up numbers similar to Sabrina Unescu before she got hurt. And so if she can return to form, I've heard Coach Q talk about where he's encouraged her to take it game by game and not try to rush it all back in the first few games of the season. Cause it, it's a lot to get back into your paces having been out for a whole year. But if she can get back to that form, I mean, she's a guard. She reminds me of a Tisha Pinichero back in the W who could have easily a five plus year career. Um, I think she's a solid defender. She would have to maybe lock in there a little bit better at the next level. But in terms of her court vision, her IQ, her ability to play off the pick and roll and shoot the three to space the floor, she's someone that comes to mind immediately. Um, let's see, who are some upperclassmen that I'm not thinking of? Um, I think Ryan Howard has enough firepower from Kentucky. She's a scorer. She can get to the W just off strength of scoring. I'm, I'm not sure how consistently interested she is. They actually played one of my good teammates and Marshall last week and we talked after the game and she's like, she just doesn't look interested. So that was interesting to hear. I think Charlie Collier, who is, I think Charlie's a junior at Texas. Off a lot of draft boards too. So. Yeah, Charlie's a beast. Like, and it's crazy because I remember when Karen Atkins was still at Texas, I called one of Texas's games her freshman year and you could see I'm someone who's tall and long, not as long and tall as Charlie. But you could see where there was still some coordination that hadn't yet caught up to the college game. But if she could just put it all together and she could get in shape. And I think that's what she's done this year. So um, those are some names that stand out to me. There's obviously some, some, some terrific players. Dana, I think Dana has a shot, obviously, to go to the next level and play. She sort of reminds me of Skylar, but Skylar was just, I think, I, actually, this would be her year that she could be very similar to Skylar in terms of her leadership her feistiness, her toughness, and all that she's going to have to bring to Jeff Wall's squad if they're going to win at a high level. But um, those are some names that come to top of mind. I know I'm probably missing a ton. Y'all know I'm juggling a bunch of different jobs. <laughs> but, but yeah, those are the ones that come to mind. 
Before we let you go, you mentioned, you know, Syracuse being a little bit under the radar in terms of the national landscape. What are maybe some other under the radar teams this year that you've enjoyed so far? Hmm. Syracuse is definitely one. I think Boston College and the ACC. The other day they were up, I want to say at the height of their lead in the game, they were up maybe 20 on NC State. NC State furious comeback in the last four minutes or so of that game. But Taylor Soul is terrific and she's only a sophomore. So she's going to continue to grow and get better. So I can see um, Boston College as a squad that's a little bit under the radar. Texas obviously is on the scene now with Charlie's big outburst uh, two weeks back now. Um, but that was a team that I thought was a little bit under the radar. Out of the Big East, I'm curious to see what Villanova does. And why can't I need to look up Maddie's last name? I should know Maddie's last name. Because the thing about Villanova is if you see them in the tournament and you're not prepared to defend that offense, hmm, gets a little tricky. I know personally at Georgetown, I, sub, give me out. I can't defend this offense. I'm spinning around in circles. I can't do anything with these screens. Like, just take me out of the game. It's fine. <laughs> um, so they're another group that I think is a little bit under the radar. And I know, I think of my Pac-12 squads. I know UCLA is ranked, Oregon State is ranked. Obviously, Oregon returns a ton of firepower. But for some reason, I think UCLA kind of stays under the radar a little bit too. And then I'd have to say Rutgers. I think they pushed Maryland to the brink today in a really close game out of the Big Ten. So this year, league play is going to be so intense, I think, for a couple of reasons, uh, mostly because of COVID. But it's all you got. You know what I mean? Like this is where teams will leave it out on the floor and be clawing and fighting because God forbid something odd happen and we don't get to a conference tournament. Your record is going to be that much more important. You don't have any games to lose. Like they're, you know, if we don't get to a tournament and conferences are forced to take their top four seeds and throw them in a hat and see what the selection committee says, there's just not a lot of wiggle room this year. So I think we'll see teams playing with a lot of urgency. Monica, I feel like you have so many good stories from when you played college basketball. What is one of your absolute favorites that you can share with our audience? Just like maybe to get a little bit of a snippet more about you and who you are, or just a fun time that you had back in college. Um, oh, oh man, tons of stories. Uh, okay, so you mean actually playing and not <laughs> breaking rules as teammates off the court. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we went to the Paradise Jam one year. Um, and my team was cute, y'all. Like the thing, the way that practice got revved up is if somebody got hit in the face. Like then it was on because we were cute, right? <laughs> so we're like in the in St. Thomas. Of course we're cute, like trying to squeeze in time to lay on the beach, like lay on the catamaran. Our coach is like, get out the sun, drink some water. We got games. So we actually played terrific. And I, I always think of this one because the following season, I think it was announced that um, Pat Summit was battling dementia. We beat Tennessee in the tournament. And y'all, I, I didn't dribble. I was not that kind of guard. Like I was a shooting guard. Let me get at the top of this press. But in this particular tournament, I like went behind my back against the press. And I remember my teammates being like, did Monty just go behind her back? Okay, so we beat Tennessee in this game. And at the end of the game, the power goes out, right? So they're giving us our awards. You get like a book bag and a couple of our teammates. I think I might've made the uh, most tournament valuable team, but the power went out. And so I'm like holding all our book bags. And I'm like, you guys hold your book bags. We got haters. And everybody like cracks up laughing because we like couldn't see. Um, but it was a great tournament. We had such great pictures. It was such a great time. It really boosted our confidence going into that year. Um, and I just, I just always think of that tournament. <laughs> I love it. That's exactly what the kind of story I was looking for. The lights going, the behind the back, the drinking water when you're not on the beach, staying oh, hydrated. They're like, get out of the sun. We're like, we're in an island. What do you want us to do? <laughs> Can't avoid it. <laughs> exactly. Might as well enjoy it. 
play some basketball, but also enjoy it. I know Kara knows that feeling. She's been to Maui. She's done all that. So living the good life, Kara. <laughs> we'll get back to that place soon where we all get to go to nice islands and get to lay in the sun. And Looking forward to it. We'll Other than Mexico, this. apparently, which is where everybody's going right now. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> well, Monica, we want to thank you so, so much for joining us. It really means the world to get to talk women's college basketball with you. And I'm sure that we will talk again soon. But in the meantime, best of luck with everything that you have going on. Thanks, girls. Thanks for having me. I'm enjoying the pod. I guess, have I officially welcomed you guys to the team as a duo? Welcome, if I have it. <laughs> there it is. Thank you, Monica. No problem, girls. Kara, isn't Monica just the best? I mean, just to be able to talk about women's, her whole attitude is like contagious to me. She was awesome. I love that she got her sweatshirt literally right before she came on. So we got to talk about that. Um, and she just has like an awesome perspective because she's gotten to do so much as a player and now, you know, covering the sport as a whole. So very glad we were able to kind of have our, our ladies night tonight. I even loved her Angel McCautry note that she had because I mean, clearly I'm, I'm only 23 years old, so I wasn't watching Angel McCautry play in college. I know that she's a vet in the WNBA and like to hear even like that story was, she knows her stuff and she's been around and I just think Monica is great. So thank you again to her for joining us. It's already been a crazy start to men's college basketball. What is going to happen in this upcoming week? So I think this week will be a little more slow just because it is kind of the traditional finals week that most schools have. Um, even though a lot of schools obviously across the country have been more virtual online learning this year. Um, this is kind of a carved out week for those finals, but there are some big games coming up this weekend. Um, we'll have Kansas and Texas Tech on the 17th and we have Gonzaga, Iowa is slated for this weekend, which obviously would be a huge game. Hopefully Gonzaga will be off their pause by then. Um, but you know, Iowa's coming off of the big win over Carolina. They followed it up with a win over Iowa State. So hopefully we get to see that this weekend, um, as well as North Carolina, Ohio State. And then we also have um, Virginia and Villanova at Jenny, your favorite place, Madison Square Garden. So a whole lineup of things on the men's side. And I know on the women's side, we have some as well. MSG is absolutely my favorite place, and I cannot wait for the day where my last memory there is not the Big East tournament being canceled. I will be back. I'm, I'm praying that at some point we will see basketball live in MSG again, so at least for my own sake. But you are correct. Plenty of games to watch in women's college basketball. Two that I especially have my eye on, UConn on Tuesday against Seton Hall and then Kentucky-DePaul on Wednesday. Obviously, again, we got some of the top-ranked teams, especially Kentucky-DePaul. I'm looking forward to seeing how that shakes out. I mean, Monica even alluded to it. DePaul is like a fast-paced, run-and-gun, three-point shooting team. They also defend really well. And the way Kentucky's been playing as well, just to see how they'll be able to, to stack up against the Blue Demons is going to be super interesting to me. The Blue Demons playing their third top 25 team this season. And again, hope to pull off their first ranked opponent victory after they just fell to Texas A&M and Louisville. Our prayers are up. I just want to mention for Keontae Johnson from Florida. Obviously, he, he had collapsed in the game that occurred last week. Uh, I've been glued to my phone just trying to get updates and hopefully some good news. Um, USA Today reported that he has been in a medically induced coma and was transported to a Gainesville hospital this morning, which was pre-planned. And so just really want to, to let everyone know that our prayers are up for him. I know the entire college basketball community as well. Kara, on a lighter note, I think 
this is the perfect time to wrap up our final four with just maybe a few things should, that should stay when the pandemic is over. The reason that I was thinking about this is because obviously I was flying from New York to California for work. I did my quarantine, my testing, all of that. I'm out here for G League again. Um, and I had the wide open seat uh, in between me and, and the lady, I guess, a seat away, which was really, really nice because I, I like to stretch out. I'm, I'm kind of a tall girl. I'm five, nine. I like to have my space on an airplane. And yep. I think that is one of the four things I'm just going to rattle off the next three. I want one other thing to say when the pandemic is over, checking in on people, like making sure people are okay. I think is one of the biggest things, even just sending like a nice text, like I have a friend of mine that will just be like, hey, call me when you get the chance. Like, I just want to hear your voice and hear from you. And that's just huge when sometimes we can be so isolated. My last two, personal space, especially in lines. I know I mentioned the open seat on planes, but when I'm standing in line at the grocery store, living in New York, there's only one Trader Joe's within a certain radius. I don't like people being on my back. I don't want to be super close to anyone and even like people just think lines mean like front and behind you i'm talking about all directions let's go 360 degrees on this i don't need anyone you know to my side even like no i i'm good i'm good personal space something that should stay when the pandemic is over lastly i wanted to say wearing a mask when you're sick wraps up my final four it's something that I just think like will become more commonplace, like almost a polite thing to do just so that you don't infect other people or put anyone else at risk. I don't know if it's like the greatest thing in the world. Again, I don't know if anyone's like, I love wearing a mask, but I do think it's super helpful when you think about caring for others in one perspective and making sure that everyone stays safe and healthy when some people may not be feeling well. So I know you had put a tweet out about this. You said you got a lot of answers. I didn't peek. I tried to think of some on my own, but they are mostly different than yours. The one we did have in common kind of was, I said like, you know, Zoom or FaceTime, like catch-ups. Um, I know in the beginning of quarantine, there was a lot of like happy hours and virtual meetups kind of thing. And like, like you said, just checking in on people more often. I know I found myself calling people more, FaceTiming to check in you know, just for 10, 15 minutes, or maybe even longer if you have more to talk about. But I think that's been something that'll definitely stay, um, you know, even when we can all be together again. Um, washing your hands often, like, I think people just, you know, wash their hands, you know, after you go to the bathroom, whatever, but now people are more conscientious about doing it often, especially when you're going out in public places, like you said, kind of just something nice to do, to keep yourself healthy, keep others around you healthy as well um more flexible work from home I think a lot of companies obviously have had to let their employees work from home for extended amounts of time during this and I know a lot of my friends like have gotten to have you know some more flexibility in terms of not being in the city they work in or whatever being able to spend time maybe in their hometown for weeks or months especially um so hopefully you know that can kind of continue forward and then lastly, we kind of talked about last week, how I love to bake or cook. Um, I think it's been a fun time where people, you know, share recipes. There's always a TikTok baking trend, which yes, of course I've done some of those, the whipped coffee that was <laughs> more in the beginning. Now some of the Christmas treats, which are fun, but um, I just think that's kind of fun too. People spending more time at home or wanting a hobby right now. And like, that's been something I've been able to, you know, tune into a little bit. I know other people have as well.
we need to like exchange some recipes. I'm not really a baker because I know I'll eat all the sweets, but I, I really like to make my signature dish is chicken marsala. Like I make mm -hmm. a really good chicken marsala with marsala wine and like the mushrooms, a very savory dish. Um, yes. So Kara, I need, I need one of you. We'll exchange after this. <laughs> it's going to be, I'll, I'll give the dinner. You can give the dessert. That can I was going to say, I'm not great at dinner for whatever reason. I think it's just because I like to eat the sweets after I make them, but I can do dessert. <laughs> you can handle the dinner. <laughs> this is why we compliment each other so well. That's what you need in co-hosts, right? That's just the perfect, exactly. it's the cherry on top. Okay. I'm done with funds now, but Hey, another episode of full court with Fisher and Kay is in the books. Thanks to Monica McNutt for spending some time with us again, part of the pure hoops family. We really appreciate it. Thanks also to our producer, Mike Lieber, as well as Bruce Bernstein for all of their help. Tom Phillip edits the show and we always appreciate his contributions. Please check out our other Pure Hoops Media shows. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong drops each Wednesday. Each Thursday, Monica McNutt and King McClure drop by with buckets, boards, and blocks. Every Friday, it's the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Mike Wise Show drops each Monday and we'll be back every Tuesday with Full Court. Please check out all of our shows, subscribe, download them, rate and review them, but most of all, enjoy. See you next week on Full Court with Fisher and Kay. Full Court is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.